Hey, everybody, how you doing? And welcome to episode number 183 of the John Riley Project. This is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hope you're all having a great day, and you're probably wondering what's going on with this background behind me. It looks different. What's going on? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it all with you, but... Today, what I really want to do is we're going to get a little dangerous. We're going to predict what who, what we think is going to happen in the elections. We're not going to talk about necessarily what we believe or what we support, but I really want to get into what we predict is going to be happening. You know, if we had to place a bet, you know, where do we think this election is going to turn out? So I'm going to go through a lot of the races again, and, we, and we'll, we'll break it down. I think have a little fun with this. And I invite all of your comments and questions. You know, we're live streaming on Facebook and on YouTube. We do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. So, of course, your comments, your questions, feel free to join in the discussion. If you've got some predictions on what you think is going to happen on Tuesday, then please share them with us. So, we love your input, and uh, yeah, let's have a little fun with this, but it's going to be kind of dangerous. You know, when you make predictions like this, a lot of times it's easy to be wrong, uh, but we'll, we'll have some fun with it. Um, anyways, yeah, the background. So let me tell you a little bit about this. I am not in Poway today. You know, normally I always say I'm broadcasting from the city in the country, Poway, California. Well, today I'm broadcasting from the Kingdom of Nye, you know, where Art Bell used to always broadcast. If you ever listen to Coast to Coast, I'm in Pahrump, Nevada right now, and um, I'm just on my own little sabbatical and I'm just digging it. You know, I I did a podcast about my trip to Pahrump back in August. Um, I'm back out here now and uh, it's, it's great. Cause I, I just needed to, I had cabin fever from COVID, you know, I work from home. I'm when I'm not at work, you know, I'm, I'm at home. So I'm at home, like almost entirely all the time. And then with the COVID crisis, you know, I'm not out circulating in the public as much as I used to. So I just been getting cabin fever and I just felt like this need to get out. And, you know, I came out here in August and, um, I just had a great experience. And you might be thinking, why in the hell are you in Pahrump of all places? Well, I wanted to get out of town. Um, I wanted to go to a place that was far away. And so I figure if I'm in another state like Nevada, I am by definition far away. And I always enjoy going to these Airbnbs because a lot of times we stumble across some really cool places. And here I am at an Airbnb in, in Pahrump, Nevada, and this is fabulous. And Pahrump, generally speaking, is pretty affordable, so I can stay there multiple days, and it's not that expensive. Um, and and it's, so it's a it's a perfect place to be. And at the same time, you know what I'm going to be doing here is I first of all I have the fortunate um, to be able to work from remotely because I when I'm working at home I'm doing business with my clients. So this morning I did a lot of work for one of my clients, and now I get to do the podcast just like when I'm in Poway. But while I'm here, I'm going to do a lot of reading. I'm going to do a lot of writing and journaling. I'm going to, you know, take some time to sort of recharge and decompress and, and kind of, you know, get myself up to speed on some issues. So I'm going to take time to educate myself and I just needed a change of scenery. So I'm really, really happy that I'm here. Um, so uh, the other thing that I think is interesting, again, before we get into the election predictions, um, when I first got back here, you know, last night and it's kind of tired from my drive and I turned on Netflix and like what's on and I stumbled across the Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen this, but man, I got three episodes in last night. It's like a little seven episode miniseries. And it's about this orphan girl who turns out to be a prodigy playing the game of chess. And it's really, really interesting and really good. And I know it's one of the more highly rated shows on Netflix right now, but I'm just loving it. Um, you know, and there's there's drug addiction and a lot of other kind of uh, turmoil in this child's life uh, that makes it a very interesting show. But, uh, you know, it's interesting also because not only is this a young person that's really good at chess, but it's a woman. And this is I recorded it back in the 50s or supposed to be back in the 1950s or 1960s. So this is back in the time when 
chess was dominated by men. And in fact, I think it probably still is now. But what a great uh, show this is, The Queen's Gambit. So um, like I said, I just finished three episodes last night and I was up a little too late doing that and looking forward to you know getting through that while I'm here on my little sabbatical. Um, the other thing that was interesting too that I stumbled across this morning and it's a really interesting juxtaposition with the Queen's prodigy or the Queen's Gambit. Uh, they'll say the Queen's prodigy. But I was, you know, ever since Eddie Van Halen died, I've been, you know, going through a lot of the old YouTube clips and reliving some of the concerts. And, you know, I had seen Van Halen four times in concert, twice with David Lee Roth and twice with Sammy Hagar. And I loved both versions, but they're very different versions. Um, well, anyways, you know, with the YouTube algorithm is the more you use it, the more videos you you watch of certain topics, they tend to serve up more of those videos. So I'm, I got to see this you know, pieces of an interview of David Lee Roth being interviewed by Joe Rogan on his podcast. And this was recorded, you know, like last year sometime. And, you know, David Lee Roth, man, that guy is something else. I mean, every time you see him, I mean, in some ways he's a train wreck and other ways he really surprises you with, um, you know, his background and, 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 in, in many cases, he's a very smart guy, but it's like hidden underneath, you know, this whole persona of him as a showman. Well, what was interesting in this podcast, and it was the Joe Rogan, David Lee Roth podcast was very different where in the in the Queen's Gambit, the, you know, the girl who is the chess player is a prodigy who is someone that just has this talent, this gift that has been bestowed upon them. And then, you know, she goes in and, and goes deep into her category of specialization. But David Lee Roth really focused um, in the segment that I watched about how practice is so important and the whole idea of the 20,000 hours to really become an expert in any given category. And he even said that. You know, the, the Chinese, you know, have really embraced the idea of practicing something 10 hours a day for 10 straight years. And if you do that, it's not just 20,000 hours, it's well over 30,000. In fact, if you did it every single day, it'd be 36,500 years. So it's it was just cool to hear him talk about that because, you know, I look at my life and the things that I've gone through. And, and I know that I've developed great skills in certain categories, but I know that in some cases, maybe I haven't gone the full 20,000 hours. And I'm just realizing that that is something that is just so important as you're out there building your career, um, just really being outstanding and expert, the best in the world or near the best in the world at a single category is just so powerful. And, um, you know, some people are blessed and, and they, they are prodigies, but other people really have to work at it. And now it's funny hearing this from David Lee Roth, because when you hear him perform, a lot of times he's not really as proficient as he's trying to make himself seem to be. Um, but I just appreciated that. And I think what he talked a lot about was the joy, the, the payoff for him was in the process, in the rehearsals and in the grind of writing the songs and then going out for dinner after practice and everything that went with that process. He really enjoyed that ride. And to him, that was more valuable than the show itself, which I was really surprised to hear that from Roth. But it makes me think about this podcast project of mine. And actually, I shouldn't say a podcast project. I should say it's just a project because for me, I'm going through a lot of things and like, you know, here I am in Pahrump and doing a lot of journaling and I probably wouldn't be doing a lot of this if it wasn't for this project. For me, this process of going through the things that I'm learning and the things I'm exploring and the things that I'm talking about, it's extremely valuable to me. And I'm really enjoying this process. And I hope you're enjoying it with me. And I know that I don't have the viewership or listenership of Joe Rogan. I'm not even close, but it's okay. Um, you know, it, I'm getting value from this. I'm pursuing my own happiness through this process. And it is just so valuable. And I really thank you for joining me in this project. It's really great. So let's get to the main event. And actually, maybe for some people, the main event is that 
McDonald's is bringing back the McRib. <laughs> Mike Ryan was posting about that on December 2nd. They said it's coming back. I never understood the McRib. I don't know if you have, but some people, man, they just go nuts for that thing. But anyways, let's let's talk about um, the elections. And, you know, before we get into it, you know, I encourage you, if you like what we're doing here, please share the podcast, subscribe, you know, click on a thumbs up if you like what we're doing. That's really helpful for us in growing the audience and showing your support. We really appreciate it. So we're in Nevada, so we're going to do a little gambling, you know, at least on the election. We're going to make some predictions. I wonder if there's a there's a uh, you know a place where you can actually bet on these. I imagine if I went to a sports book, I could probably place some bets on the election. That might be kind of fun. But anyways, let's let's go through the list. And, you know, of course, let's start at the top. You know, is it going to be Trump or is it going to be Biden? Now, you know, in, in my podcast episodes, I've expressed my dissatisfaction with both candidates. I think they're both very flawed for a lot of reasons. In many cases, I think they're far more similar than people realize. Um, but the rhetoric makes them seem like the angel versus the devil. And depending on your perspective, your guy's the angel and the other guy's the devil, right? Now, I think that Biden's going to win. Now, we all know Biden is definitely, absolutely, positively going to win the state of California. I mean, he won California in, excuse me, Hillary won California in 2016, 8 million votes to 4 million votes, a two to one ratio, a 4 million vote landslide. And people are saying that Biden may win California by even more. So definitely Biden's going to win California. But California is one of the safest blue states on the book. So, of course, he is. All the polls are telling us that Biden is going to win, not just the national polls, but the state by state polls. But, you know, the polls said that Hillary was going to win in 2016 and she didn't. So as much as I believe that Biden is going to win, I still am hedging my bet. Um, I know that the Trump supporters, man, they are enthusiastic. You know, we see them out, um, the Poway protesters there on the corner of Pomerado and Twin Peaks and Poway. You know, if they're looking at the race rationally, they know that they're out there on the street corners. They know that California is going to give 100 percent of its votes to Biden, but they're out there anyways, and they're supporting Trump. And heck, I was on my drive out here in the desert, and I saw a lot of Trump signs on the side of the road, and I saw a dune buggy up on the side of a hill with a big Trump flag over it. I mean, it's just the enthusiasm for Trump is off the charts. I mean, there's not anywhere close to that kind of enthusiasm for Biden, but it's just, I think, um, I really think that Biden is going to win but it wouldn't surprise me if Trump won this thing, because in 2016, I I thought there was no way in hell Trump was going to win. In 2016, I didn't even think he was going to win the GOP nomination, but he won that. So I'm I'm hedging my bets. I think it will be Biden. I think Biden will be the next president of the United States. Um, but I can't. That's one I may not bet money on because I'm not sure. I still have a little bit of lingering doubts. And I know that the Trump voters, you know, they'll say the polls aren't real. You know, the polls are biased. But I know a lot of Trump people will troll the pollers. They'll they know they support Trump, but they'll tell the pollsters that they support Biden just to mess with the system. So, again, I'm you know, I'm just kind of hedging my bet. Um Let's look at a few of the congressional races in San Diego County and in my congressional district, District 52, I think it's going to be Scott Peters is going to probably win over Jim DeVello. Uh, Peters is a Democrat. The This district used to be a toss up district, but it's been skewing more and more Democrat. Peters, to me, is a guy that's extremely likable. He's personable. He's a middle-of-the-road Democrat. Um, I think that he's going to likely win this pretty handily. Um, so I, I think Peters will be the guy that wins. Um, in the 50th congressional district, this is the one out in East County that everyone is really interested in. And, you know, the, the Republicans had a really crazy primary. Remember with Carl DeMaio and Daryl Issa and, their, and I think um, – uh, what was the other guy's name? That's the, the state senator that lives out there in Santee. He was running. Well, Daryl Issa ended up with a nomination and Daryl Issa doesn't even live in that congressional district. He lives in Vista. But 
Campin Najjar is an up and coming guy. He came close to beating Duncan Hunter Jr. in the last cycle. But, you know, that district still is just overwhelmingly Republican. It's still really hard for me if I'm predicting who's going to win. Again, I'm not telling you who I support or what I believe in. I'm just trying to predict what's going to happen. I got to predict that ISA is probably going to come out victorious in this. And and apparently there have been some polls that say ISA is up by double digits, which I was surprised by because Camp and Najjar came so close last time. And, and, you know, Camp and Najjar, uh, you know, he's an up and coming guy. He's a very likable young man. But um, yeah, I, I think ISA is going to be the guy in that district. And the other congressional race that I'll comment on is the 53rd. And, this is the one, you know, we had one of the candidates from the 53rd congressional race was here in the in my podcast studio. And that was Fernando Garcia, who I thought was a great candidate. And he was an independent candidate. He wasn't running as a Republican or a Democrat, which I thought was fantastic. I would have loved to see Fernando Garcia do really well in this election and win it. But as an independent, I think, you know, most rational people know he was a little bit behind the eight ball in, in these partisan races. You have to align with one of the two major parties if you're going to be successful. Well, in the 53rd, we have two Democrats and I'm going to I'm going to predict it's going to be Sarah Jacobs. You know, she's the the daughter or the granddaughter, no, the granddaughter of, of Qualcomm founder Irwin Jacobs. So she's got the money, the name recognition. She's young and she's been this is, I think, her second round of going for public office. So I'm, I'm going to predict it's going to be Sarah Jacobs over Georgette Gomez to fill Susan Davis's empty seat. Um. At the state level, you know, there's a bunch of state assembly races and Senate races. The one in my district is an interesting one. It's you know, Brian Mainshine going up against um, June Yang Cutter. And Mainshine, you know, has been a longtime Republican. And then shortly after the 2018 election, he switched teams and he converted and became a Democrat. And he narrowly won in 2018 over the Democratic candidate. What was her name? Glover, I think was her name. And she was apparently a strong candidate. I think, um, you know, Mainshine is very likable. He's he's from the Poway Carmel Mountain area. He does a lot of, you know, you always see pictures of him with puppies. That's what I always lo- joke about him because he does a lot of stuff with the SPCA. So he just knows how to play the game. He's a political creature, um, probably a lot like TJ Zane or other kind of political animals. So, um, and then he's going up against June Yang Cutter, who's a Republican, and she got the endorsement from the Union Tribune. And I know a lot of Republicans are still just furious at Mainshine, you know, for not just abandoning the party, but a lot of those Republicans helped him put in time and energy and money to get him elected in 2018. And then a few months he flipped teams. But, you know, every this is a blue wave going on. And I, I just think that Mainshine's got the name recognition. The de- he saw the writing on the wall as a political creature and saw that his district was was trending more blue and he switched teams and is going in the direction the wind is blowing. So I, I think Mainshine's going to win. But he's got to be close to getting termed out. Right. I mean, how many how many cycles can you go as a state assembly person before you're termed out? I think it's four. And if that's the case, I think this is his third or his fourth election. So if he ends up getting termed out in two years, don't be surprised if we see him running for higher office because, you know, he, he is definitely a political animal. OK, so let's let's get into some of the San Diego races and I'm. I haven't followed you know the San Diego city races or the San Diego county races that closely, so I'm not going to comment on all of them, but I'll, I will share my thoughts on a few. If you look at the polls uh, for San Diego mayor, it's going to it's Todd Gloria and it's Barbara Bree, right? And apparently, it's really tight in the polls, which I think is interesting. And Todd Gloria to me is a lot like Brian Mainshine. He's another kind of political animal. You know, he he knows how to play the game and and he's got a lot of support. But I've learned a lot about Barbara Bree from my conversations with Gabby Dow, who's been a guest here on the podcast. And she has actually hosted events for Barbara Bree. And the more I've learned about her, you know, she's a very pragmatic, very much a problem solver. Um, they're both Democrats, both Bree and Gloria. 
normally I would think that Gloria might have the upside on this because he's got more name recognition and, but I just think there's something different about Barbara Bree that I think that I think she has a very good chance to win. So I'm, I'm going to put my bet on Bree to win the race for San Diego mayor. Okay. Let's get into a really good one. Cause I know I got a lot of viewers and listeners in the city of Poway. So let's talk about the San Diego County supervisor race. I think it's district two, the one for East County. And this is the one to take over the spot for Diane Jacobs, who had, you know, been termed out. She had been, you know, running that district for so long. And, the more I've been learning about county supervisor races, the more I realize what a powerful position that is, how much power and influence they have as an elected politician. And, you know, this kind of goes back to my comments in a previous podcast where these politicians, they're not public servants. They they are in it for power and they're in it for power. You know, I'm not necessarily saying they're you know, they're they're in it for doing evil. What I am saying is, is that they want the power to do what they believe is the right thing to do. Um, and this, the county supervisor race has a tremendous amount of power. Now, we've got Joel Anderson, who has won the GOP nomination or the endorsement from the GOP party here locally in San Diego County. And Anderson, you know, of course, a longtime assemblyman and senator representing East County has name recognition out there. And he was the, the, the greatest vote getter in the primary when they went, when they whittled it down to the top two, he was the number one vote getter. And he won over Voss by, I think, about 5,000 votes. And so Steve Voss, Poway Mayor Steve Voss is the other candidate. And these twos are, are going at it. I, you know, Steve Voss has gotten endorsements from all of the law enforcement agencies and the fire departments and a lot of the other sitting county supervisors and a lot of the other mayors. I was surprised that he didn't get the Republican nomination. Maybe the Republican Party and the county felt they needed to be loyal to Anderson because he was a longtime Republican. My my sense is, is that Voss is going to win. And. Some might say, well, you know, he came in second place in the primary. What makes you think he's going to be victorious for the general election? I've been watching a lot of the things that he's been doing, the policies he's promoting in Poway, the things that he's campaigning on. You can tell that he's trying to pick up more of the Democratic votes, you know, because these are two Republicans. So who are the Democrats and the independents going to pick? You can tell that he's really reaching out to the, the more progressives, the more moderate Democrats, and even some of the independents. That might be just enough to push him over the edge. Now, the county, or the, the, that district itself, East County, is heavily, heavily, heavily Republican. And that's obviously why we have two Republican candidates in the general. Um, but, you know, even things like Joel Anderson just refused to even go through the process of getting the San Diego Union Tribune's endorsement. He just says, I don't it's a waste of time. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so you think about that guy. You know what? What's he doing? Um, so but, you know, I'm not going to sell him short. I I remember. Gosh, it was probably in about 2012 or 2014. And this is at the time that he was our state senator that represented Poway. And I attended a Christmas event that he had and it was open to everyone. And it was being held. I think it was at um, Toyota of El Cajon, I think is where it was held. You know, the one that Tony Gwynn and now Tony Gwynn Jr. are um, spokesmen for. And he had brought out all the VIPs and free food and drink and photo opportunities with Joel Anderson. And that place was packed. I couldn't believe it. Um, so he's got a lot of supporters. But, you know, Voss, is, he's doing his homework, too. So I, I know I think Voss is going to win. Um, so, again, you know, we're live streaming here on live on, on Facebook and on YouTube. We welcome your thoughts and comments. And I would love to hear your predictions. Uh, Jamie Tobit chiming in. I live in the 53rd Congressional District. Looking up the map of the territory, it covers a very diverse swath of the county from Mission Hills and Hillcrest through La Mesa and on to El Cajon, then all of Chula Vista, Bonita, Eastlake, east of the 805. With that makeup of areas, I have no idea who might win. Yeah, when um, you're right, Jamie. 
when Fernando Garcia was my guest, he talked about his district and how it was, you know, just a crazy boundaries and the way it moved around like like a gerrymandered district in a way. But we do know that both of these candidates are Democrats. Um, I think Georgette Gomez, I think, is the president of the of the San Diego City Council. Um, but Diane Jacobs is, uh, you know, the, the granddaughter of Qualcomm founder Irwin Jacobs. And again, I think she's going to end up winning this thing. Um, but yeah, some of these districts, it's hard to tell. And usually when you can look at how it winds through cities and different areas. And, you know, some communities might be more progressive or more conservative than others. But in this case, it's a these are two Democrats. And I think Sarah Jacobs is is more of a let's just say less progressive. I think Georgette Gomez is going to be more progressive. And so when that district goes out to El Cajon and and East Lake and and other areas in East County that tend to be more Republican, maybe she's going to Sarah Jacobs might be able to get some of those Republican votes. So it might be the same strategy that Steve Voss is doing, but from the other direction, um, when you have two Democrats, she may be the one that's trying to hold her Democrat supporters and pick up some Republicans. And that may very well happen. So in that race, um, I uh, definitely I, I have Sarah Jacobs as the winner. Again, I'm making predictions. I'm not telling you who I want to win. I'm not telling you who I believe in. I'm not telling you which candidate I think is best. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen, what my prediction is. Like if I'm betting here as I'm in Pahrump, Nevada, I should go to the casino and make some bets. Um so, yeah, I think Voss is going to win. I think he's going to win a very, very close race. And then I'm very curious what's going to happen if he wins, because, well, first of all, if he wins, you know, the state, the county supervisors have a ton of power and they have like a huge like uh what do you call it? like a piggy bank of money that they can spend independently on whatever they want. So I'm curious to see if Voss um, spends some of that money in Poway, because it's been very, very rare for a Poway elected official to be elected at the at a higher level. I think the only example I can think of is Jan Goldsmith, who went on to be. Um, what was he, the district attorney for the city of San Diego? And I know Jan Goldsmith had other offices, but for the most part, most Poway elected officials never go on to higher office. So if Voss is elected, you know, will he have power and money to spend in his hometown? I'm curious. Um, but really, my curiosity is more uh, more so on what's going to happen to the Poway City Council. You know, and we've talked about this with a lot of the other Poway political candidates, both, um, you know, the incumbents and the uh, challengers, that if Voss is elected, is someone going to be appointed to that mayor spot? And then if it's a, another city council person that's appointed to the mayor, how is that other city council position going to be filled? Will that go to an election? And we've already had a number of appointments with Barry Leonard and Kaylin Frank that have happened that have, you know, in some cases rubbed some people in Poway the wrong way. And I'm a big supporter of having more elections. I think that makes the process as transparent and as um, as fair and equitable as possible. Um, but if Mayor Voss ends up being elected a county supervisor, I think we're going to see some appointments. And if that happens, there's going to be a lot of drama in Poway. And that's why I'm really curious to see what happens. Um, and then the other race that I'll comment at the San Diego level, and this is the other county supervisor race, more on the coastal area of North County. And I put coastal in quotes because that district kind of gerrymanders too. And this is Kristen Gaspar's district. She's the incumbent. She's the former mayor of Escondido. And, and I know Voss is friendly with Gaspar. And, you know, this is part of the Poway Escondido, um, you know, kind of relationship. And Kaylin Frank is part of that, which is interesting. Gaspar is a Republican. She has a lot of supporters, but a lot of people that don't like her. And but she's very polished. I saw an interview of her in a, on a TV debate with her challenger, uh, Tara Lawson Remmer. And she's Gaspar is very polished. She says all the right things. And her challenger, I didn't think was very didn't come off very well in that television interview. Didn't seem as capable. But you know what? This There's a blue wave going on. I think there's more Democrats that are going to be voting in this election. Um, I think that 
Um, the, you know, Gaspar's challenger is a Democrat. That district normally you think of as Encinitas and North County Coastal, but it also includes Mira Mesa and parts of Escondido. And in those communities, there's going to be Democratic voters. So I'm going to bet that it's going to be um, Tara Lawson Remmer is going to win uh, over the incumbent Kristen Gaspar in that race. So that's my prediction. Okay, now let's go to the races in Poway. And I know many of you are been following the races and, you know, the election is coming up on Tuesday and and we can't we just can't uh, hope that election day comes soon enough. You know, now, granted, it's going to take a long time to count those votes and there's going to be drama. And I think at the national level, I think there's going to be drama and maybe even some violence, depending on who wins, Trump or Biden. But I know for the local, um, of, you know, the local candidates, I know they're looking for closure. They've been working their tail off, every one of them. Um, they've all been coming on my podcast. I've, I had the pleasure, the honor of interviewing every one of them, every candidate that ran for Poway City Council and the two candidates running for Poway uh, School Board from the district in Poway um, have all been guests on my podcast and I've gotten to know them all. And I'll tell you right now, every one of them is a good person. Um, they all are in it for reasons that they believe in. They're all in it in doing what they believe is the right thing. And so um, I, I just I think they all have something positive to offer. And, you know, it just as a little bit of a tangent, it is interesting. We're seeing and, and Chris Cruz has been doing a lot of this documentation. Chris Cruz, of course, the leader of the South and North Poway votes. She's a civic uh, community activist in Poway and very much, you know, fighting the, you know, her perceived good fight um, about the South versus North Poway divide, as she says, which I think exists. I think, I think she blows it out of proportion. Um, but there is still there is still some truth to what she talks about. But anyways, she is looking um, at the PACs, you know, the political action committees and and noticing that a lot of these um, development interests and a lot of other interests are funneling their money into the deputy sheriff's pack. And then those uh, that pack has been spending a lot of money on our incumbents, Barry Leonard and Kaylin Frank. They've been spending money on Measure P in Poway. And so she's really doing her digging to see where a lot of the money's coming from. And it's very interesting. It's very revealing. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, um, you know, take a peek at, at her work in the South and North Poway Votes Facebook page. Um, but this gives the incumbents huge advantage, huge money advantage over the challengers. And the challengers are doing their fundraising and they're trying hard. But, you know, we've seen in the city of Poway that it's really, really hard for incumbents to win. Um, excuse me, for incumbents to lose. It's hard for the challengers to win. Unless there is some major problem, you know, like in the Poway School Board, like if there was a billion dollar bond or some massive problem, um, if, there, if that doesn't exist, it's really hard for the challengers to win. Now, in Poway, there have been problems. There, there is the whole problem related to uh, the water crisis that happened at the end of 2019. And, and we can go down the list of a lot of other issues in Poway that a lot of these challengers are really pushing. And, you know, the development on Poway Road is another hot issue. Is this enough to displace the incumbents? Now, if I'm a betting person... I'm going to say the incumbents will win. I think Barry Leonard will probably win. I, I think Phil Factor is a great man and he's doing really good things and he's fighting hard, but I just know it's hard to beat an incumbent. And so if I'm, I'm not telling you that Phil Factor is a bad candidate. I'm just telling you if I had to bet money, I'm going to bet that Barry Leonard's going to win. Now you hear that from me and you're thinking, okay, well, there's still time to vote. So, you know, maybe the Phil Factor group can get more of his supporters out there and, and vote. Um, and maybe this will be, a, a, you know, kind of a catalyst for that to happen. Um, the, the other race in District 4, I think they did the, a breakdown. And remember, Tory Powers um, and, and Kaylin Frank and, and even Tony Russo ran in that election. And last year it was for at large. And I know some of our local political enthusiasts had gotten down to the precinct level and broke down the numbers and said, hypothetically, if there really was a district four vote, who would have won? And apparently Kaylin Frank would have still won, but by only 32 votes in 2018. 
So what does that tell me? It tells me that it's going to be extremely close race. It tells me that it's going to be really between Chris Olps and Kalen Frank. I think Frank Fournier's entrance into this has been a wild card that I think a lot of people, you know, were concerned about, you know, especially if they were supporters of Chris Olps. I think in the end, I I mean, if I have to bet money, you have to bet that the incumbents will win because they always do um, unless something crazy happens. So I think if I had to bet money, I think Kalen Frank will win again. But I think it's going to be very, very close, much closer than the District 2 race, in my opinion. So um, I think that's how that's going to break down now for Poway Unified School Board. Again, I interviewed both of those candidates. And again, don't take my comments the wrong way. If I'm predicting who's going to win, I'm not saying that the people that are I think will come up short. I'm not saying they're bad people or bad candidates. I'm just telling you, if I had to bet money, who what do I think is going to happen um, in the Poway Unified School Board race? I interviewed both Cindy Seitzma and Jimmy Karam. I think they're both very capable people. They both have um, great backgrounds. They have a great resumes. They're doing great things in our community. I, I don't think you can lose with either one of them. But I do know that Jimmy Karam got the endorsement of the Poway Teachers um, Union. What is it? PFT, Poway Federation of Teachers. And now getting the union endorsement by the teachers is not a guarantee you're going to win. In fact, there have been cases in 2018 and previous elections where the teachers endorsed candidates have lost. That has happened. Um, but I think in this race, that might be enough to tip the scale in Jimmy Karam's direction. I think Karam, um, Again, they're both capable candidates. If I had to bet money, I think Jimmy Karam is going to end up being the one that wins this on Tuesday. Um, and the other race that's on the on the ballot, and this is more in the Penasquitos area. Uh, this is incumbent Darsh Patel running against challenger Tim Doherty. I actually had some conversation with Tim Doherty about coming on the podcast, and I had invited him to join me. And we just never were able to connect. Um, but Tim, if you still want to come on, we, I'd love to have you as a guest. Um, you know, granted, election day is coming up quick, uh, but maybe we can work you in still. I'm still very open to that. Um, but I think in that race, I think Darsh Patel is going to win. Again, I think incumbents are hard to defeat. And she has a lot of name recognition. She has a lot of people that support her. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that don't like Darsh Patel for, um, you know, the way that she's aligned herself with Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe and TJ Zane. But there are other people that like the fact that she's aligned herself that way. I think in the end, she's going to have more name recognition and there hasn't been enough to remove her. Um, and I think in the end, I think she's going to win if I had to predict. Um, so that's how I see all the those races going. But let, let's take a look at the propositions. Because there's so many of them. In fact, I did a, um, a whole podcast on the propositions where I shared how I was voting. I shared what I believed in. But now I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen, what I predict will be the end result. Because I know that California is, is very you know, progressive, very Democrat. And we see that in the politics, especially in the urban areas of San Francisco and Los Angeles, and increasingly more and more in San Diego. San Diego has a Republican mayor, but all the other sitting council people, I think, are Democrats. The city of San Diego is demographics have more Democrats than Republicans. So we know the state is just heavily blue, heavily left. And so I think a lot of these propositions are going to probably go in that direction. But let's go down the list here. Um, Prop 14, this is the bond for stem cells. And again, when people hear stem cell research, they typically think that this is about the abortion issue and and right to life and everything else. But ultimately, this, this one is about taking out loans, which are bonds, that can be used to fund stem cell research. I think the voters of California aren't really care, don't care as much about how it's being funded. They just want to see stem cell research get funded. So I think this will pass um, Prop 14. Prop 15 is the crazy one. This is the one about really 
uh, rocking the boat on the old Prop 13 from the late 1970s and allowing commercial property to see their taxes go up significantly. Um, and this is to not use assessed value like we do for residential property, but to use market value for those properties. This is being positioned as more money for schools. And whenever it's positioned that way, it's probably going to win. And on top of it, because the state is very left, very Democrat, I think they're going to go for it because this is making the corporations pay more money. Now, never mind the fact that what I talked about on my previous podcast, that the property owners use triple net and they pass that cost increase of taxes down to the individual small business that's renting that space. It's still being positioned as more money for schools and making corporations pay. So I think Prop 15 will pass, in my opinion. Prop 16 is the interesting one. This is the one where they will allow race and sexual orientation and gender and a lot of other criteria to be used in making decisions for hiring, for for government jobs at the state level, for deciding on contracting, you know, when they out when the, the state outsources work, um, deciding on what kind of contractors to give this to. And then in, and also in deciding how to admit students into universities. Previously, there was affirmative action a long time ago, and they, that race and gender was a big part of how the state made decisions. You know, a lot of times with contracting, they would always give it to minority-owned businesses or in some cases, female minority-owned businesses was always very attractive for the state to give money to when they were outsourcing projects. And then what was it? About 20 years ago, they passed – what was the prop number? Was it – I can't even remember the number where they said you can't do that anymore. You can't take race into account. And the voters passed that. Well, then this one comes along where they're saying, no, now we want to go back the old way. We want to allow race and gender and sexual orientation to be part of the criteria and how those decisions are made. Now, originally, I would think that the voters wouldn't be schizophrenic and vote one way and then 20 years later, vote the other way. But with all of this, you know, Black Lives Matter and social injustice and the fact that California is a left leaning state, I have a feeling this one's going to this one's going to pass. Um, I think I think this Prop 16 is likely to be victorious. And then, you know, then here we're going to get really, in my opinion, and I, I said I was going to try to keep my opinions mostly out of this, but we're trying to rise above race. We're trying to treat people equally, equal rights. We're trying to not discriminate, right? <laughs> so that we can judge people as individuals. This is now going to go back to judging people based on groups, based on race or gender or any number of those types of criteria. I think it's going to pass. Um, that's Prop 16. Prop 17 is allowing f- uh, felons that are on parole to have voting rights, Now, normally in a left-leaning progressive state like California, I think this would pass. But I know there's still a lot of distrust about letting felons vote again. So I think this one's going to fail because I think people are going to be a little worried. Um, Prop 17. Prop 18 is allowing 17-year-olds to vote in the primary election if they turn 18 in time for the general. I also think this one will fail. Again, I think people... Don't trust young people to vote properly. (laughs) Um, Never mind the fact that it's taxation without representation, and I think they should have the right to vote. But um, I think this one will fail. Um, That's Prop 18. Prop 19 is it was a confusing one about taxes and inherited taxes and seniors and everything else. It's very confusing. I think that one will fail largely because of the confusion. Prop 20, it was the hardcore, tough-on-crime bills. Um, I think that one will fail in California. Uh, Prop 21, this is the rent control one. This one's going to pass. Because it's so expensive to live in the state of California. And this is just an easy way people will jump to get making rent more affordable. Now, 
there are a lot better ways to making rent affordable, in my opinion. Uh, but they're going to jump to rent control, which I think is going to have the opposite effect in a lot of communities where rent's going to go up dramatically. There's a lot of unintended consequences with rent control. But I think that rent control Prop 21 will pass. That's my, my prediction. Um, Prop 22 this is the Uber Lyft one. Now here I'm, I'm broadcasting from Pahrump, Nevada in an Airbnb. You know, I love the whole private contractor thing. You know, I, I make a lot of my money as an independent contractor, um, as a gig worker. So I'm generally sympathetic to this, but I think Prop 22 is going to fail. I think that the people are, upset that Uber and Lyft are spending so much money on this and they think that this is going to help the workers and everything else. So I think this one's going to be, this one's going to fail. Prop 22 will fail and the Uber and Lyft drivers will end up having to be employees rather than independent contractors. Prop 23 is the dialysis clinic one that we had another dialysis one in 2018. I think this one will fail. Um, Prop 24 is for more online privacy. I think this one will pass. I predict that one will be victorious. And Prop 25 is for ending cash bail. Um, I think that one will fail for the same reasons that Prop 17 will fail. I think people are generally distrustful. Um, of people that have that are felons or people that have been arrested, and that distrust will probably win the day. And I think that that Prop Twenty Five will fail. Um, okay, so let's go to the local propositions, and you know there are a whole bunch of local propositions in the city of San Diego and many other cities. I really haven't followed them. But I will talk about Measure P in Poway. And I've been commenting on this one a lot. Uh, I had Kevin McNamara on um, my my uh, podcast back at, right around New Year's, like, you know, what, maybe 10, 11 months ago, and learned a lot about the project. And uh, it's it, and frankly, it's it's one of my highest rated, highest viewed podcasts. So many people have gone back to that podcast and sat through a nearly three hour um a three and almost a three hour interview with Kevin McNamara. Um, it was very interesting. Um, and in fact, I was in a conversation on Facebook recently where, uh, with some other, uh, voters and we were all debating the merits or the downside of measure P and people were commenting to me that they went back and watched that podcast or listened to that podcast and time stamped certain sections of the podcast when Kevin McNamara said this or said that. So it was interesting. And I feel good about that as a podcaster that I've been able to provide that kind of content, that kind of information that people can use to better educate themselves, whether you're for Measure P or against Measure P. Um, we all learn, you know, when we have these candidates or in this case, really the main guy behind Measure P, Kevin McNamara, as my guest. Um, now, the previous po- uh, proposition was in 2017 when the owner, Michael Schlesinger, wanted to put condominiums for 55 and over on that site and still retain nine of the 18 holes on the golf course. And that failed overwhelmingly, like 60% to 40%. And I think a lot of that was the vitriol of people not liking uh, Michael Schlesinger. Now, Kevin McNamara is the face of this. And he's a longtime Poway guy. I think this proposal has a lot more support from you know, so-called important people in Poway. The whole city council approves of it. The Poway Chamber of Commerce approves of it. The Green Valley Civic Association approves of it. A lot of environmental groups approve of it. Um, but still, the the commentary online, there are some fierce, fierce, loud objectors to Measure P. And I think they were loud in 2017 and they're loud again in 2020. My gut's telling me that it's going to pass, but it's going to be really, really close. I think having McNamara as a longtime Poway guy, having these endorsements from a lot of important people in Poway, I think might be enough to push it over the edge. We will see. Um, Yuri Bolin comments on the podcast. Hi, John. Don't forget my personal favorite ballot measure, County Supervisor District 2. And uh, Yuri, I did comment on that earlier on in the, in the podcast. That's the one between Poway Mayor Steve Voss and Joel Anderson, the longtime 
uh, state senator, state assemblyman, I said I predict that Steve Voss is going to win. And the reason I said that was because I think he's doing just enough to get more of the um, disenfranchised Democrat voters, because this is a race between two Republicans. He's doing more, I think, to get more of the of the the blue voters, the Democratic voters, and in some cases, the independent voters that might be enough to get him over the edge with Anderson. But it's still going to be very, very close. And then, Yuri, I did comment that I'm very curious to see what happens if Steve Voss wins and the cascading effect it'll have on the Poway City Council with appointments and elections. And what if a Poway City Council person is is appointed for the mayoral seat? There's a potential for a lot of drama, uh, which I'm curious about. But in the ultimately, I think Voss is going to squeak through. I really think that's going to happen. Now, he got the UT endorsement, which I think is big. And Joel Anderson just refused to even show up for the endorsement process. So, um, yeah, that's something. Um, yes. Sorry, you just joined in. No worries. You know, if you just joined in, you can always go back and listen to the recording. We're on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or you can go back and watch the YouTube broadcast. And again, you know, we're broadcasting not from the city in the country today. We're broadcasting from the desert, from the kingdom of Nye, here where Art Bell used to broadcast coast to coast. I'm broadcasting from Pahrump, Nevada today, which is really fun. Um, okay, so uh, just a couple other comments that I want to share with you. And uh, again, I welcome your thoughts. You know, if you really like what we're doing here, you know, give this podcast episode a thumbs up, uh, share this podcast with a friend. You can subscribe on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe on Apple podcasts, on Google podcasts, share it with a friend is always so helpful, whether you're hitting a share button in Facebook or you're just uh, letting your next door neighbor know about the John Riley project. We like talking about big ideas. We like talking about local politics and, and we also like getting into a lot of other issues and I'm going to be doing a lot more stuff. That's not, not political once we get beyond election day, which I can't wait for election day to come. And really, you know, I'm making these predictions. Now, granted, I'm just one dude with a podcast. I don't know if I'm going to move the needle on any of this. I think most people have probably voted, haven't they? I mean, with the mail-in ballots and the confusion over this and all the drop boxes people are using, people are already waiting in lines to ballot, uh, to mail or to drop off their ballot. I think I got to believe that at least three quarters of the people have voted by now, don't you think? Um, Pete Neal says, are you going to visit Spring Mountain? <laughs> That's the race course out here. And yeah, Pete, I do. Um, last time I came to Pahrump, I, I just hold myself up in an Airbnb and did a lot of reflecting, a lot of journaling. And this time I do want to kind of go out and look around. And um, I, I want to see what this I want to see if I can find Art Bell's old house. To me, that's an interesting landmark. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go check out Spring Mountain. I mean, you talked about it last time. So definitely, I'm going to go take a peek and I'll, I'll let you know uh, what I see there. I think that should be fun. There's a lot of interesting things out here. There's like a apparently like I'm not a big gun guy, but there's a big like shooting range here that's apparently very popular. And and I just heard that there's like a, a popular golf course here that people from all over the world flock to. You know, most of my driving around so far in Pahrump have been in the, the dry, dusty areas of the town. I happen to be in an Airbnb right now that's really nice, really comfortable. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of looking around a little bit this time. Um, OK, so uh, a couple of other thoughts. I just I just want to share with you. Uh, I got a lot of comments recently on a lot of the podcasts I've been doing. And some of these have been just cool. And I just want to share just a couple of things. The the California Proposition podcast that I did, where I went down the ballot and I told you what my thoughts were on every ballot proposition, that's gotten actually a lot of views and a lot of downloads. I'm really proud of that. I wonder if people were using me as a voter guide when they were filling out their ballot. But that was cool. And, uh, you know, there are some people that didn't like what I was saying. And I got some you know thumbs down. And that's OK. Uh, but that one got a lot of uh, viewership. And 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 all of my podcasts I've done with the political candidates have always done really well. And I'm really proud of that. You know, whether we're you know interviewing Cindy Seitzma or Jimmy Karam or Phil Factor or Barry Leonard or. Frank Fournier or Chris Olps or Kalen Frank, you know, all of those podcasts have done really well. And I think it's great because voters get a chance to 
check out these candidates and learn more about them and and they can make more educated decisions. So I'm really proud that I was able to participate in that. Um, And then I mentioned earlier that how it was interesting to be in a Facebook conversation with other voters that were going back and referencing my podcast conversation with Kevin McNamara about the farm in Poway and how they were timestamping it and, and saying, Oh, Kevin said this at this timestamp. It was cool, you know, and, and, you know, there were, Kevin was saying in this case, Kevin was saying some things that, that upset these voters. Um, but it was neat to see that it was being used. Uh, the podcast was being used as a reference point that and I think that makes what I'm trying to do valuable, hopefully to others. I think that's terrific. Um, the podcast that I've done about the Poway protesters and I've done two of them, those have always done really, really well. And I think. You know, the, that intersection at Pomerado and Twin Peaks, I mean, that is turning into like a major free speech zone. Um, I just saw another note that on Sunday they're going to have the Black Lives Matter protesters are going to come out on on this coming Sunday, their final push before the election. We're seeing people showing up there on Saturdays and on weekdays with their signs and people organize. And that's the go to place to organize. I think it's great. And now, granted, there's been. You know, some people that have crossed the line and and there's been a little bit of violence. But for the most part, they're all good people expressing themselves and doing what they believe is the right thing to do. And they're doing it in a way that gives them joy and happiness and camaraderie with all of their friends that are supportive and and share their values. I think that's cool. Um, I just hope people stay in their lane and, you know, we can knock off that tiny, tiny fraction of people that choose to make it violent or to choose to make it aggressive. Well, if we can keep those people at bay, then I think it's a wonderful thing. But yeah, those podcasts have done really well. Um, Yuri, um, you, you, know, you actually reached out to me, Yuri, and said that Russell wanted to get in touch with me and wanted to do another podcast interview with me. I, you know, I've interviewed Russell already, And I was a little hesitant to interview him again because I know that it would just have turned into like a a big Trump thing. And I didn't really have like another spokesperson for the for Biden or for the non-Trumps. And and I generally like I'll comment on national issues, but I didn't really want to. I wanted more commentary on local issues than on the national level. And so I chose not to reach out to Russell. So, you know, shame on me, maybe. Uh, but um, I did interview him in one of the podcasts and he was a great guy in that podcast. Um, but I've seen some other things from Russell where he was kind of involved in a little bit of the aggressiveness, um, which disappointed me. But at any rate, um, the, the other thing that I want to comment on, and this this was really special to me, um, I had done a podcast very recently about racism in Poway schools. And this was about these two sisters that created the black and PUSD Instagram. And they had documented all these cases of racism. And and now the Poway school board is taking action and they're putting forward, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, diverse programs, inclusive programs, ethnic literature and and uh, and and. English courses and history classes and bringing more perspectives. Uh, I think it's awesome. And I I tip my hat to the Poway School Board for doing that and for the effort of these two young sisters and what they did. Um, But I also in that podcast shared a lot of things that I've gone through that involved race or racism and the things that I've experienced. And you know, we all have a story to tell and, and I, I've experienced some things that I think are interesting. I mean, like the, the most important one was, is that I was the only white guy in a company of over 90 people. Um, and I kind of felt what it was like to be the, the one person that was different. Um, and so to a degree, I kind of understand what a lot of people of color are going through. And so I shared a lot of my thoughts on that. And the podcast itself, when I first released it. The live viewership was low in the, in the live stream. Um, and there were no comments at all from the viewers. And, and then when the first couple of days it was out there, the, the viewership and the downloads were a lot lower than normal. And I thought, oh, yeah, maybe that just wasn't as much interest to other people. Um, but one of my friends commented and, and he thought, you know, Grant, this is one of my really good friends up in San Francisco, Jack. He thought it was one of the best podcasts I had ever done. 
And it really made me feel good. And he really, um, he, he commented about a lot of the personal stories that I shared. And I think what's cool about this is this is kind of like what David Lee Roth was saying (laughs) when I kicked off this podcast where there's, there's a, there's payoff in the journey. You know, even though I may release a podcast that may not have the greatest viewership or listenership, I get great happiness and fulfillment just doing this podcast. And I'm able to share my thoughts, which is wonderful for free expression. I'm able to share lessons and life experiences that have taught me things. And I enjoy sharing that with you in the audience. It gives you a greater perspective of me, but maybe in some cases, some people may be learning from me. And I think that's that's really valuable to me um, that I can make an impact. And this is, you know, this is the whole area of where I think I, there's an opportunity for me to take more of my own stories, my own personal history and my own lessons that I've learned in my 55 years of life and begin to infiltrate more of that into this podcast, because I think it could be more valuable Again, we talk a lot about politics because politics is hot and everyone is following it and the elections in a few days. And, you know, there's a lot of energy around politics. But beyond politics, I think there's just so much we can learn from each other. And and that's where I'm going to begin doing more and more about, you know, things that we can talk about that improve people's lives or improves people's businesses or their business life, their career life. Um, I'm going to be spending more time on that, especially after the election. Um, But In the end, you know, I talk about this podcast is all about life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And Alex Mathers, when he was on, you know, on Wednesday, when we talked about his book, um, Build Build Firm, um, it was very interesting when he talked about the definition of what pursuit of happiness really means. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're chasing happiness, but it's that you're constantly striving for it and experiencing it and, and all along the way that that really the destination is important, but the journey itself is valuable. David Lee Roth commented about that in the podcast that I saw of him with Joe Rogan. Now, here I am, David Lee Roth, the great philosopher. <laughs> um, but I know for me, I experienced that same thing where this process of the, doing this podcast, and this is why it's the John Riley Project and not the John Riley Podcast. It's this process that I'm going through, I think, is making me better. And it's giving me greater understanding and awareness of what other people are experiencing, especially when I have guests that come in. Um, we had Michael Galden, a homeless person that came in, and we had a wonderful interview. I've learned so much from my guests. But I'm learning more about myself going through this podcast and the fact that I'm here in Pahrump, Nevada, and I'm doing my own personal sabbatical and I'm recharging my batteries and I'm doing journaling. And I'm to me, I did a little bit of this, you know, on my own before this project, I'm doing more of it now. And I like that. Um, and I want to continue to do more of that and share it with you. And, and it's, it's fulfilling to me when other people respond and say, that podcast episode was great. It made a difference. It feels good. You know, you feel like you're doing the right thing. So um, anyways, it was great to get that kind of feedback. And then, you know, on Wednesday, when Alex Mathers was in, we talked all about personal finance and how to build wealth and, and some of the traps we can fall into where money goes down the drain and different perspectives about money and, and time and happiness. That was a great conversation. I invite you to go back and watch that podcast or listen to that podcast that was recorded on October 28th. It's it's that kind of content that I really enjoy talking about and I'm hoping to do a lot more of in the future. Um, okay, so um, yeah, if you like what we're doing, you know, by all means, please give us a thumbs up, share the episodes, subscribe. Um, that's always so helpful. Reach out to me on social media, on Facebook or on Twitter, and we'll continue the conversation. I really enjoy that. Um, I got a closing quote, and this is a great one. And you know, we just did a podcast all about uh, predicting the election, which is dangerous 
which we, again, who would have thought in 2016 Trump was going to win? Um, sometimes we make predictions and we can make a fool of ourselves um, when the reality appears to us after the election day. But Oscar Wilde had a really good one. He said, to expect the unexpected shows a thoroughly modern intellect. <laughs> and that's right. I think as much as we can predict what we think is going to happen, we still don't know. Um, the polls say Biden is going to win, but there, you, you know, we were fooled by the polls in 2016. Are we going to be fooled again? Um, it reminds me of uh, the who, um, and what was the song? Well, yeah, won't get fooled again. Um, is that going to happen again? I don't know. You know, I'm predicting in these other races that Steve Voss is going to win. I mean, that one could go the other way. I'm saying that Kalen Frank is probably going to win. I mean, it's very possible Chris Olps could win that one. It's a close race. It will be a close race. A lot of these these propositions, I think, could go either way in some of these cases. But we don't know. But it's fun making predictions, you know, and and when David Leland was on and he would make predictions about the Padres and the Chargers and the Aztecs. And then we go back and and check, you know, how he did. And he actually David Leland was very accurate in a lot of his sports predictions. How accurate am I going to be? I don't know. So after Election Day, um, we'll run the numbers and I'll tell you what my uh, my score is in terms of predicting. Uh, but thanks again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. This is episode 183 broadcasting from the kingdom of Nye in Pahrump, Nevada. We'll be here in Pahrump again on Monday. Um, you know, we're always broadcasting Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two o'clock. So we welcome your thoughts, your comments on the live stream. And we'll be back in Pahrump on Monday. And then on Wednesday, we'll be back to our regular scheduled uh, broadcast studio in Poway, California. So thanks, friends. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening and have a great day. See you later, friends. Bye-bye.